0: Welcome, and thank you for listening in. My name is Kayla, and this is Character Development. This podcast is produced to help enlighten you with true stories from real people who have encountered the unknown and overcame the unpredictable. With these stories, we want you to consider what life has to offer, and we hope you can learn the hidden importance.
1: What's up, man? It's all
2: good. Good man. Kicking back, kicking you back, and relaxing.
1: That's right. That's right. Us too. Yeah, us too. I just pulled up a little while ago. You know, I just, I just hung the phone up with Pierre, man. Oh man. Yeah, I just hung up the phone what with Pierre. Said? He said he might try to call me back in, in about 15 minutes. So I, I, I don't know if we'll have an opportunity to be able to. Uh, you know, be all of us be able to talk. But he was uh he was encouraged by hearing how you are out here persevering.
2: Behind your never. Right. Yeah. That's excellent.
3: Okay. Hey uh so um Billy. I okay. uh, yeah so I mean I was really inspired by your uh Billy. the podcast that you went through uh recently. How mm-hmm. long ago was that? Like two months ago, something like that?
2: uh i think that was about three weeks ago
3: three weeks ago okay
2: yeah yeah so it was like a week after you came home uh that podcast that you listened to was doing a uh, screen break for my cousin so that was like uh march 30th 31st oh okay
0: okay listeners i need to catch you up with what you just heard today's podcast my father is joined by billy palmer and major carter billy is calling from san francisco and major is here with us in houston Major and Billy grew up together in their early days on the east side of Los Angeles and Riverside, but over the years, they grew apart. They are just now catching up, and the reason for this, well, Billy had a run-in with the law and he was incarcerated at the age of 17. Billy was locked away for more than 30 years of his life, and let's just say, he isn't wasting any time with regaining his life back. He is speaking out about his experiences, and is making huge waves amongst the community. People are gravitating towards his life story from all outlets of media, like the podcast BWT. But we're together with Wes and Darlene. That was mentioned earlier. If you would like to hear more from Billy, we encourage you to check out BWT's interview. Okay, now back to the combo. Cool, no problem. All right. So
2: you, you said you you said you, you,
0: said
2: you, you interested in the. Uh... The before story or the and the after story?
3: Yeah, like the before story, cause you know uh, Major Dick kind of, you know, he's been telling me some things, and he gets real excited when he t- starts talking about stories from uh, from when you guys were young <laughs> and how you guys used to <laughs> run around. And he said you got a you got a chokehold that nobody else has. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy it's a fighter, man.
1: You know, you left me, you you know, when you when we when we uh went our separate race, you know, um before, before you got locked up, you had moved away, but I just, you know, when I think about when I think about our time, you know, um coming coming out of Elcott and just being the few black men, black boys that were there. Um, mm-hmm. you know because if you think about it it was like Andre Rule, Michael Irvin right. Michael Irvin yeah. Daryl Coles yeah. you, you <laughs> me and Pierre can you think of anybody else?
2: So okay man
1: yeah so we were we were in an all white school man and that's we are we were all that we had so when I think back to even when we remember when we, there's so many things we're going to be able to talk about. But when I think back to those times, which were some of the best times of my life and what got me through my hard times when when uh when I was in, the, you know, in the struggle, you know, and being mm-hmm. uh, being uh, you know, going to juvenile hall and and going through what I went through. I mean, you and Pierre, man, in the times that we had, I mean, if you weren't in our lives, we probably wouldn't know what we were capable of being able to do, you know? There was a lot of things that I think that we didn't think about, but we were helping each other per- to prepare for. I really do.
2: Right. Yeah. No, exactly, I mean, I look back on those times too and I I realized that we were figuring things out without uh, male role models, you know? And it wasn't because we had a lack of men around us, but we didn't have a The time that could actually explain to us what was going on. Because we were in a unique situation. Um, I had came from Emerson. Uh, I didn't know anything about racism and how subtle it could be. And I remember after those elementary years, they had got embedded into my mind without anybody ever saying anything. Uh, what I had to do to be uh wealthy and successful and it wasn't it wasn't among our people it was among you know rich white people and that was that was a, that that was the shame because uh, there were uh successful black men around I just didn't know what successful look like hmm. when you're black you know especially when you' juxtapose it to what we were what we were seeing every day uh you know, you go across that bridge into uh, that other land, and you see mansions and manicured lawns and 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 nice cars and and people living a, a life that was looked like ease, like it was easy and was it was smooth and soft. And you go back over to the other side of the bridge, and it was it was rough. Yeah. So
1: you know what I remember about that bridge? Huh. I remember yeah. when they, I remember when that Santa Ana River. You probably don't you might not remember this you probably haven't <laughs> thought about this but do you remember when you walked across the bridge on the ledge yeah man i couldn't believe he <laughs> did that man <laughs> <laughs> i
2: can't believe you did boy <laughs> I,
1: i'll never forget that
2: and, and i did and i and, and those 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 light poles that is, is, is on the on that on that on railing right on that on that That guard, and I don't walk. I don't. I don't. I don't walk past that on the side where the bridge is. I walk on it on the side where there is nothing but a but a drop. get there though, man. That was crazy. I'm
1: trying to find it right now so I can show him what you did. And it was windy. We had the Santa Ana winds (laughs) blowing, and you got up there, man.
2: yeah, I'm gonna see if I can show it to
1: hey, you. There it is.
2: That's what I uh, walked. That's what he walked on. You see that? I tell yeah. people. I tell yeah. people my testimony. I tell people my testimony that there were so many opportunities for me not to be in this world today. Uh, and it's only through the grace of God, man, i know for that. I'm alive and well and one piece uh, because I, I should if I if I, if I wasn't dead. Should have been maimed and hurt and and and, and just tore up, man. But I got through prison the way I got through life, and that was by the by the grace of the Almighty, man. Mm-hmm. It, it it started in juvenile hall, uh, where I I made my decisions. Uh, maybe you probably remember uh, what's his name, uh, Loke. His name, his real name is. Uh, damn, I just had him. You talking, talking about D-Loke? Yeah,
1: you talking about Delo
2: Dion Dion Four? Yeah, Dion Four. When you guys were in, brother was
1: When you guys were in one A.
2: Yeah, no, we started in juvenile hall together. This man in juvenile hall had arms the size of my my calf. You know, he, he was just a huge brother, man. I was, and he was telling me about, you know, 1200 block and he had a tattooed on. So I'm fresh out, I'm fresh in. And I'm not, I don't even know that existed. I had, like you said, I had left, not physically, but mentally I was gone out of the hood, even when I would come in with my body, I didn't even know it existed and had been created. So I'm looking at this and I had a decision to make right then and there. I was either going to go ahead and be a part of that and be down where I was born and raised, or I was going to stay true to the constitution that my mother did and and, uh, had uh, implanted in me from, from, from birth. And so I stayed true to, to our family, uh, our family and to how they raised me and, and, to our belief, man, that, you know, if you don't run, you don't run like that. And so it was difficult because when they finally sent me to uh YA, everybody was a gangbanger. I don't remember anybody that wasn't a gangbanger and NWA just had come out as far as I knew, uh, I was exposed to NWA and it was truly with an attitude all over the place and I had to fight and fight. Uh, I was in a cell with (laughs) the, he was a blood and we started getting him up and then the, the counselor came over. I walked to the door, like, you know, ain't nothing happening, it's all good. And as soon as I turned around, he busts me straight in my mouth, and my tooth almost fell out. And I got on his ass one more time to, until he asked me to stop. And the only reason why I stopped was because I wanted to make sure my tooth was still in my mouth. And I slept for three days. <laughs> I slept for three days, cold <laughs> that tooth up in my gum and they just spill that my son it didn't fall out, man. And it was, it was, it was, it was, it was situations like that that could have easily turned me into a different person. And I don't know how it didn't other than I just stayed true to what, you know, to my heart. Uh, and God, Allah was guiding me at the time. And this time, I wasn't even a Muslim yet, so I was still a Christian. And I used to get on the door uh, at a certain hour, and I used to debate this Nation of Islam member I can't remember his name right now, but he would get on and he would talk about Islam from a nation of Islam perspective and I would talk about Christianity and life from from a uh, Baptist Christian perspective and they used to call me to the door at times and we would go at it and we would go at it and that was my first introduction to Islam but I didn't mm-hmm. even still recognize that as Islam and so I continued, I got to prison again the uh, the mentality, I call it the convict mentality, increased uh ninefold and now I'm, I'm facing some serious uh situations and and and, and anything I do is is uh life threatening, you know. So I spent a year or so in, in, in Old Folsom
1: and what year was that?
2: I don't this was uh around the end of eighty nine to like the beginning of ninety two. So maybe no, it's about ninety it was nineteen ninety, about the end of nineteen ninety and the beginning of nineteen ninety two, somewhere in that area. And when I think I talked about it in the first podcast when I was called up to the second tier and I was asked if I want to uh, if I wanted to be this dude's bitch. And I said no. And it was it was weird because I had a flaming homosexual, a a dope thing heroin addict, and uh, this other dude that was like a comedian. These dudes were just like people who would stop by my cell and just talk to me, and they were they were amazed at who I was and in that position. And I remember they used to, they all used to say, "Man, hey, you don't even belong here. I don't, you know, what are you doing here? Like, you are not." this is not you. And I didn't even understand what they were talking about. So when I was summoned up to the tier, after me and this one dude was getting into it, and he was steadily trying to get at me. Uh, and the man asked me if I wanted to be a bitch, because these other guys were saying, man, he shouldn't have to go through this, right? And I said, no. Uh, again, that could have been another turning point for me being, you know, turned out, uh, abused, you know, stabbed, uh, anything. But it was the grace of God, again, that, that, that put the right people in my place and navigated me towards uh, a safe haven. And so I laid on my bunk after that, and, and I cried to him also oh, you got to reveal yourself to me. You know, I don't know if your name is Jesus, Buddha. Uh, I, I still didn't understand what Muhammad or anything like that was. and I didn't know if he was a tree or what, but to reveal yourself to me. And so in 1992, they shipped me out to Calipatria, I was in the cell by myself, and my neighbor was a Muslim, and Orthodox Muslims, uh, probably a follower of Warfi Muhammad at the time, and he invited me to uh, the chapel. And then he was just a good dude, so I said, yeah, it wasn't like I thought of it in any other kind of way. And so I got into that room, we got into the chapel when we were in this room, and when I looked around, the, the wall was just painted white. I mean, it was fresh prison, uh, colored patches just opened. We were the first ones there for the walls, which is this pristine white. And I was in the back and I was just listening to them talk about this, this supreme being that had, you know, no, no body, no history of it not affect me. It was when we lined up for Salat and I was in the middle of the room. I, was, I think I, I remember I was in the dead center of the room and when I bowed my head on the ground in, in, in prostration. I said, wow. I said, I ain't never done this before in my life. I've never bowed down before a man, let alone a God. And that's when I became Muslim at that moment. And I realized that I had to submit myself to something greater than myself, because I wasn't doing it, it wasn't me. And uh, from that point forward, I moved I moved in such a way that by the time I was 22, 23 years old, I was allegedly man and a man of leading these gang bangers and these thugs and these hardcore Negroes, man, that was taking a shihada, that was still drinking and fighting and and smoking. And they were looking at me, this new convert, to make peace in the community. And that's what I did. And I I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) I was just doing me, man. It was crazy. (laughs) I would get on that that men bar and get kubah after just reading the Quran and stuff, and I would have these men captivated. And I didn't even appreciate it. I didn't even know what I was doing. I, I didn't even appreciate that moment. And it wasn't until years later that I would look back and I realized that I was in a level four of prison, the people were still hardcore crime fiction. And these dudes was asking me, but they trusted me to make a right decision in their affairs and their lives. And I was amazed. And it, it, it still amazes me today. And, and that's how Islam affected me, and it's been that way ever since. I've had uh, my ups and downs. My parents passing away uh, shook me, shook me, me hard. They passed within a year and a half of each other. And uh, I said to people, I had never knew the pain, I had never knew the pain of people who attempted suicide <laughs> until that moment. Because it was a pain that was untouchable. I, I couldn't reach it. I couldn't, I couldn't solve it. I couldn't heal it. But it made me understand why somebody would want to die. You know, why somebody would take their own life in order to, uh, to stop that pain from happening. And uh, again, it was a lot of praying fasting and, you know, doing what I was doing to to, to pull me out of that, that depression. So, yeah, that's... That was, that was like the, I call that you know, put me through the fire, man. I mean, literally being put through the fire and, and, and being hammered uh, since 1992, uh, the, the whole time, the whole 31 years and 22 days, being put through a fire and like a, like a blacksmith, you know, forging this, this war. And it was penitentiary skill that I was becoming and sharpened by men who also came into my life and started educating me, and I started learning about my history and where I come from. And so, part of it, part of my Islamic growth, was learning about uh, Bala Sudan, where uh, when the Christians invaded uh, Africa, that uh, our leader Uthman Dan Fodio guided people from the west coast of Africa and the the empire of of, of Sudan over to the present-day Sudan in order to escape that. And knowing where my history came from and and how we came over here and why, you know, changed my life. And it it, it got me to start thinking always why. And understanding how this country became, how this prison industry became, how uh, I became uh, a prisoner in prison. All of it has to do with understanding why. Yeah. Uh, So one of the things, one one of the concepts I came up with was called um, Black Fishing. And Black Fishing is a combination of uh, blackface and cactus. I looked up the name to see if anybody had used it already. and it, it is in used in uh, a, a sexual way and 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 in in, in describing uh, killer whales. But I still want to use it because what it is is that uh, people have presented themselves uh, like they do when you when they cactus you right. They, they presented themselves in such a way to where you believe this false identity and they, they they sold you uh uh on this this picture of of who we are and i have to peel back layer after layer after layer of what reality really is and it's this black face that the world has has, has has portrayed. So blackface is when white men uh, dressed up as, in blackface and took on the jobs of these entertainers that was for black people. I mean, we didn't have to, too many things to do as it was. So you taking another job from us was even worse than you portraying us as buffoons and, and idiots and, and, and like monkeys or something, right? But now you're even taking our jobs. So uh, when Western civilization painted African civilization in this way of being this dark place of nothing coming from it but a abyss of of, of uh, savages, you know, that has an effect on the psyche of a man who's looking at, like we said, when me and Major was talking about going to this all white school, we see that everything that is and can be has to come from this source of resource and these the, the people to know that. We wouldn't have a cell phone in the palm of our hands if it was not for the the Moors uh Muslims uh, deriving the zero from the Quran and giving it to the world was a mind blowing to me. When we look back at Roman numerals, there is no zero. There was no zero to be written down in mathematics until uh Islam came and gave us the science of algebra and on and on and on. Like uh all the the mathematics that we need today, trigonometry, all these mathematics came from an Islamic perspective of the Quran and so when white people uh, tell me that there's no place for Islam in America I said there would be no America if it wasn't for Islam there would be no no America if it wasn't for the melting pot of, of intellect including Islam it's not just solely Islam but all people who've come over here and Jewish people as well, who helped create the atomic bomb and win the war. So it's the ignorance of the people being blackfish, and not just black people, but also white people. And I don't even like using that term because the term itself, white and black, means free and slave. I wish that I could tell the world, I wish I could tell America at least.
1: Billy, Pierre, yeah. Pierre just called me. He can hear you. Uh,
2: what's up, my brother, man? I
4: love that. It's my dude right here, man. I love that dude, man. It's dynamic in middle, man. He can hear you, man. He can hear he you, you, Pierre. Hey, yeah, he's yeah. just and in and time I, be, I was bro, going I mean, to get to. I need hear your voice, bro, and I hear all the people that you're talking about, and I think socially that yeah, uh, we have to be more acute, especially our young uh, individuals who look like us, uh, uh, as opposed to some of the information that are being uh, advocated to us, uh, so that we can start making better decisions uh, as, 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 as when, were you, when we're little kids, as opposed to us being 40, 50 years old, having to now changed the trajectory of our lives. You know what I'm saying? So uh, 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 with some of the things that I've heard, Donnie, say about you, as well as right now, man, I'm just so inspired, man. You just, I mean, like I told major when I first heard that you got out, man, I was just, man, God is great, bro, and, and, and you just, you've you, you been an inspiration for me all these years, man, after, you know, to, to know who you are, to just have, have an experience, some that you experienced, man, and now
2: hear you, you out there, man, out there functioning as you are, man, just inspiring, bro. For real, for real, bro. Oh God, that's good, man, man. There for everybody, and, and, it's, and it's up to us. Each one, teach one. And what I wanted to share with you, I'm glad you're on the phone. When I get to this part, is the three identities that are uh, in these institutions that we call uh, uh, prison, uh, the industrial prison complex. And you know, when I came in, I was taught to be a convict. But when you look up, when you look up the word convict, it's associated with guilt and being guilty of a crime. And we usually are consigned by. Uh, criminal mentality, and you know how it is in, in prison. We get in that black market, and we start selling dope, phones, being gangbangers. and gangbangers. And and if you look at it, it's an, it's a direct identity of the problems that persist in society when you're under that label and practicing that life. So what happens? Some people want to become inmates because they want to escape their convict role. And in the beginning, with George Jackson and and people were trying to be convicts in order to uh, protect us from the abuse. That staff and white people were were projecting upon us. I understand that, but times have changed, and, and as a revolutionist, you have to evolve and have different strategies. And that's not the strategy that we can use today. And so people want to become inmates with this this wave of rehabilitation, and, and it's good on the surface, but rehabilitation means to be reclothed. And that's what they did when they gave a, a slave his freedom. They gave him new clothes to go out into society, or they rehabilitated him and gave him his first pair of shoes or his first dress outfit and send him on his way and that's exactly what they do to us when they release us from prison they give us 200 dollars and say Go on about your business right so the rehabilitation process under I mean, being an inmate is being a patient and you're on this medication and if you look in prison today you have a great number of people that actually on their real medication so the word inmate is on the medication the word convict is on the guilty What there is, when you look on your clothes, Pierre, if you're still wearing them, it has CDCR prisoner. And that word prisoner is a legal definition because it means someone who's held against his will. They know that when you enter your right mind, you no longer want to be in a prison. You are a prisoner who is searching for your key to get released. And that key is your integrity, your accountability, your responsibility. You becoming a man and making rational decisions. And it is that enlightenment of being a man, not a male, not a gangbanger, not black, not this, not that, but becoming a man and being mature in the mind and acting with those uh, enlightened attributes that God has given us throughout time through men of greatness. Have always came and told us how to be a man through Jesus, Muhammad, Moses, whatever, right? And it's, that's when you start fashioning your key, because every key has grooves on it, has little teeth on it, and those are those things, man. When, when we're little boys, our parents... Especially, you know, as they raise this right, they say, be responsible, be, uh, you know, be, be honest, be truthful. When you internalize those attributes, you go from a boy to a man. See, boys play. Men are those things. And that's what I had to do in order to even to become capable of devising a strategy to beat the attorney general. And it was unheard of of being the Attorney General once to get out of prison. We're not talking about going to the board or uh, you actual innocent. I'm talking about being guilty of my crime, serving time, and they wanted me to die in prison. They wanted me to serve the rest of my natural life in prison, not because I murdered anyone, not because I raped anyone, not because I prayed created great body injury but because I had the gall to attempt to rob a white police officer from Riverside. That was my crime and that was going to be my penalty was death in prison and it was only until I developed a mind of a man and started to understand the game and started popping my peas, proper preparation prevents poor performance and presentation and when I presented my petition to the, to the, to the courts. They had no other choice but to submit to the cruel and unusual and excessive punishment that the system had put down on me. And so this is what I ask for you to do, Pierre. Get to, that, get to that place where you are an advocate of your own freedom, and you are able to tell your story because you have researched what got you in here, not only from the perspective of the law, but from you as a person, how you got to prison. And that's the way out. And it's important for you to do that. Otherwise, they will keep you in there for as long as they can. I'm, I'm, I'm about, you know, two steps up out of here,
4: man. You know what I'm saying? I'm supposed to be going to court in the next couple of weeks, man. And Lord willing, man, I'll be up out of here, man. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do exactly that, Billy. You know, I'm going to tell my story to everybody. Make sure that, you know, not only is uh, I'm able to uh, articulate my, partic- my uh, particular uh, experience, but, you know, share some of my uh, sentiments with respect to the observations that I made. So, you know, I'm going to i I'm, not going to let. I'm not going to let my 15, minute 15 minutes of fame fall fall short,
2: bro. That's what I'm not going to do. That's for real, bro. That's right. That's right, brother, man. Um, hey, man. I have one question for you, Billy. Uh, uh, how is your sister, bro? My sister, uh, Vicky, is um, basically. A prisoner of her apartment, unfortunately. I mean, this is what she told me herself. Uh, she has suffered abuse, domestic violence. Uh, she is in a uh, she's in a situation to where she's on a ton of medications, and she's holding on, man. She has this, you know, this this resilience to hold on after all this. She's been through, so every morning I reach out to her and I let her know I love her. I wish her, you know, I greet her with good morning. Uh, I tell her I share my day with her so that she can see that there's hope at the end of the light. You know, Islam says, after every difficulty there is a release, and in every difficulty there is ease. So even when you're going through your worst time, uh, those 31 years and 22 days, I knew there was something on the other end of this and even though it felt like it would never end, it did and now it felt it feels like it never was except that I know that it was you know and so yesterday I went to Microsoft uh, I went to the Microsoft offices here uh, a friend of mine that I met just a couple of th- about a week ago invited invited me there and showed me that uh, <laughs> this world is open to me. <laughs> And I don't have no bachelor's degree or no master's degree. I could barely work the computer that I got. And she opened up the world to me. And when she took me out to lunch, she, she blessed her food. And I felt like I was exactly at the dinner table with my my, my grandmother, Mother Dear, right? Like, and I loved it. And we connected spiritually. And it is that spirit that I'm able to walk out of prison after 31 years and 22 days when the board of prison turned, when the attorney general, when the, 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 the staff at the prison said that I was a threat to society and that I was not worthy of being free, that I was able to walk out st- with my head held high, and when I entered this transitional house, everybody's telling me just take you a minimum wage job, uh, 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 washing dishes, or out on the street picking up trash. And I said, hell no, that is not the step, that is not the standard in which I hold myself to. And I held out for over 30 days until I was offered managerial position by people who knew me in prison, by people who knew me a part of the organizations that I belong to, like the Five Ventures, Inside Garden, Mainland Up. Andrew, it is my participation. It's my participation in these groups that were in prison that allowed me to get out and, and, and stay true to who I am and to the offer of coming to, and to the offer of giving to me of God, and, and, and careers that that that, that met my standards, and I and I thank Allah, man. Today I have three offers of work and 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 housing, and a surrounding of people that, that have been just great. And I wanted to end with this before I stop. Last Friday, the Court of Appeals granted me my second victory against the Attorney General, and said that. The continuation of parole is a continuation of the excessive punishment and cruel, unusual punishment that I suffered under the royal prison terms of denying me for those 10 years and that I should be removed immediately. No more custody. And that is the power of, of Allah working in my life and being true of not settling when I was in prison for some settlement agreement that wouldn't. I set the rest of the population. So that
4: that is my testimony. You know, I spent 31 years in, like in prison for that. You definitely got to do your job. I think that, uh, you know, I mean, if, if you You'll have 60 seconds remaining. I do a lot of your experience, man. They're going to crap your experience. Hey, right, Johnny, uh, uh, I'm going to send you the email and everything. But hey, uh, tell your sister, send my love, man. And, uh, I man, I'm so happy to hear your voice, brother. You just. You just, you just keep fighting a good fight, man, and we ain't gonna never give up, bro. I love you, big bruh. That's right. Take care of yourself, man. You, you know, know what I'm saying? But, uh, you uh too, I'm man. gonna see you in the email tonight, Donnie. All right. And, 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 and um, uh, it's nice to hear <laughs> all this, man. It's just, hey, man, uh, I'm, I'm gonna call, go, I'll try to call when I can, Donnie. Take care, bruh. Come All right, so I'm licking my team.
1: Was telling uh I was telling Oscar about uh Jeannie Williams. Do you remember
2: do you Jeannie remember, Williams? Do you remember going to Bogle Park? From Park? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I was I was telling <laughs> I was telling him man that you know even though there wasn't a man there, you know my dad was mm-hmm. there, my dad was there, but you know my dad didn't have knowledge at that time like he does now, you know. But he was there, but right. he, went, he wasn't there interacting with us. He could have been, but he was working and stuff, you know? But I was telling him right. about about Jeannie, man, and how she she had that program there for us, and, and how I can look back and see that it was like, it was God like intervening. Because I think if for myself, that I picked up on a lot of my skills of communicating and Tribalism and things like that that's kept me all these years from when when Jeannie was there You know, yeah, do you remember? Do you remember going up there man and, and being at the park
2: and stuff? Heck yeah, them old rolling hills and uh, the Basketball court and that big old ditch hill and the, the swimming pool that they filled in I I was one of the last people to swim in that pool, man uh, yeah. the free lunches yeah, free uh, lunches
1: at the summertime. Yeah, get the little ices. Yeah, little Remember those little ices we used to get. But you remember going to? You <laughs> remember going to? Do you remember yeah. going to Bobby Bonds, man? Remember, remember Bobby Bonds Park? We used to go swimming. Oh
2: yeah, yeah, man. It were good times, man. That,
1: that see, see, man. When I now, you know, because uh, it, it really was about hearing this part of of your life. You know, I I wanted to be involved in this because. You know, my dad used to always tell me, I don't want you hanging around Billy. But my dad didn't know. Mm. My dad didn't know. I didn't need Billy to do what I was doing. He didn't know that, Billy. You know, but he is. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know that. Because <laughs> you never told him <laughs> that. But, but uh, man, he's so happy for you, man. I, I know he's heard your testimony, too, man. And he's so glad that you are, you know, home. And you see Pierre, you know, he's calling us from prison. He's still there. And and, and it, just, yeah. it just lets you know that. Even though, you know, you did that time like that and we may have not all been together, but we all were going through something and Pierre's still in that struggle and he's going on this next year is gonna be thirty years for him. And so Lord have mercy. So uh and, and I think you crossed path with him when you guys when he was there, but yeah, but uh Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, but I, I really do appreciate what you share. But I you know, I I was um, just wanting you to really look back at that time we was at Borwell Park, and if there was anything that you remember about that, that that got you through when you were going through stuff, if you want to share that.
2: Yeah, Borwell Park and Fairmont Park. Um, I can't remember the lady's name that 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 used to teach us arts and crafts in Fairmont Park. Oh my God, I, I, I'm sorry, sister. Uh, but like you said, Jeannie and that experience. Shape who I, I was as well, and it gave me the fortitude when I was uh, crossing that bridge and going to the other side of, uh, 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 of our cultural experience of growing up in Riverside to to know that I'm still somebody like I, I'm still who I am and able to connect. To, to to growing up, to how we were uh, raised in that experience. Because even when I was in prison uh, uh, dealing with uh, my people, you know, stuck in a certain mentality, they saw that I still had that essence in that boy part and being able to identify so they could see that I haven't sold out. I had just transformed and, 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 and was the good part of growing up. In the hood, you know, before all the chaos and darkness and, and the, and the, and the infiltration of the LA gangs coming into our, into our, into our neighborhood, man, um, we had good people, and I, I wasn't even at my worst uh, until I left the East Side, uh, and so I, I remember Baldwin Park and Claremont Park in the East Side with fondness. That's when I was at my best, man. That's when I was at my purest form. And it was the corruption of wanting uh, what others had, you know, the greed and, and desperation of wanting what seemed to be a better life that caused me to start burglarizing and attempting to rob people uh, for what they had. And I apologize, if I haven't said it in any other podcast in any other time, man, I apologize to Riverside for what, I, for what I've done. And I apologize to all of my victims. And I apologize to the people who had invested their lives in me. And I did not return that investment to them as I should have. But that is my purpose in life today. My purpose in life is to um, to give, to return, to, 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 to pay back the dividends uh, to every soul that had invested themselves in me uh, growing up. And I want to make sure that. No more Billy Palmer's and and Major Carter's and Pierre's uh, are left unheard and unseen. because we were not broken to, into pieces. You know, we just had some scratches and some 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 cracks. And it was through the neglect of people who were in positions of power that didn't understand how to uh, you know polish us up and send us into the world the right way. And I got the solution to that. I, I know I know what it takes. And I'm willing to uh, get those get those youths and, and polish them up and, and, and send them into the world we're, we're prepared, you know, and ready to to face it. Like uh, when I spoke when I spoke at this last uh, youth organization, I told them that most, you know, other people got choices. I said, but when you're an African American and you're a teenager, you ain't you ain't got choices. See, there's only two choices in the world: the right choice and the wrong choice, and you only can make one. And in that choice of making the right choices, you have options. You have options on how you can do it. But the one thing for certain, two things for sure, when you make wrong choices, you are giving over the rest of your choices to people who's going to tell you how to make them for the rest of your life. And you don't want that. You don't want that. what I wanted to say was when I became the face of SB 260 Youth Defender uh, Act to give a meaningful release to uh, uh, those who were incarcerated with severe uh, sentences under the age of 18, I didn't know what I was going to get out to face. And it's important for those who become faces of bills to have a support system that makes sure that they have housing employment, uh, transportation, food, all of these things. And I've seen this when I got out with Irlon uh, Woods of the Ear Hustle Podcast. And he got out to a house, uh, his co-host of the podcast was there to pick him up and he's been able to continue his service and sharing the stories of what it's like being in prison. For me, I just so happen to have my cousin pick me up and they delivered to me uh, a surprise of being there Uh, some of them I hadn't spoke to in 30 years so uh, having that that support system that network uh, is important and so that we can't fail and I've been told that by my attorneys I've been told that by others and so when I when my cousin uh, Darlene and Wes uh, interviewed me with their podcast uh, by the way, we're together. Um, it was important for me to really share how instrumental Wes and Darling was. They bought me an iPad. They 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 believed in my vision of being my own uh, 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 founder, and and, and CEO of my business, Studio Three to the Third Power. Where I take my graphic designs that I learned in prison at in the early ages of of my twenties, and now days if not a week away from launching my 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 website so it was that belief and that investment when I got out that that, that gave me the, the encouragement man to keep moving uh, towards everything that I had planned when I was on my bunk de- deciding what I was going to do with the rest of my life when I, when I was when I was released so I'm hoping that this 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 young man is given the same opportunity, man, his, to his to name, come out and, and, and move.
1: His name is uh, Edwin DeBro.
2: Edwin DeBro.
1: Yeah, Ed, Edwin DeBro. He's going to be released in July of uh, this year. Uh, but I mean, that's like a backup to the to the second second look bill. And there's uh, another another young man who who has been locked up since he's 15. Uh, his name is Alejandro Reyes. I told him about you too, but uh, yeah, they're 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 both kind of like the face of this of this bill right here. But that young man is going to be home in a few
2: months. That's good. And uh, let him let him know if you, if you guys have contact with him, you can give him my phone number. Uh, I can share I'll share everything anything that he wants you know to know about getting out after so long. Uh, the main thing I would like to share with him is that. Um, It's it's powerful. Enjoy the moment. Don't slow down. Don't take, you know, people told me, slow down. You know, uh, be careful and all that. I had 31 years of slowing down and and, and resting and and, and not doing nothing. (laughs) And I stayed, I stayed, my feet stayed hitting the pavement going after what I want. So I hope he knows what he wants. And I hope he uh, goes after it full, full fledged. You know, and and don't accept no, you know? This is your world. Thank you, thank you, and Thank you, Major, you know, uh, my true homeboy. Hey, let me say this. Hey, let me say this right here,
1: man. Let me say this to you in closing, man. Let me tell you, man. Um, Billy Palmer, man. Uh, just hearing your name brings back always good memories because you know I know we, as kids. I know as kids, man. You know we grew up and I know that we tussled and everything. But you know me, man. You know you you remember me. There's a lot of stuff you didn't say right now. I'm thankful for that. But but you know what man? <laughs> hey, when it comes to my brothers, when it comes to my brothers, Pierre, Qualin and Zemblance, man, I can't I can't forget about you, man, because I know when, when we were facing some things that we could look back at now, you were right there by by my side. Let me just say this for the record. They might not add this to when they put it online. But do you remember yeah. when, do you remember when we had sex education class?
2: Hey, I I didn't know we were gonna
4: talk
1: about this. And them girls, them girls chased us down to try to find out if we had hair or not, man. I remember that, (laughs) man. I remember that, bro. I remember so, bro. I remember everything you remember. I probably do. And I'm just telling you, man, that that's what makes this this uh, you sharing your your story right now so precious, man, because you made it. And you know, I, I haven't really disclosed a lot. I will, and because of what you shared, is making me want to do that even more. But I, I'm I'm so proud of you and what you're doing, man. And, and uh, man, if I if I had a, a thousand tongues, I could just tell, just praise God as much as I can as for it. you making it because you making it. it it's it's saying a lot, bro, because you were by yourself physically, you know. And I know that, yeah. I, and I know I, I told Pierre in closing said Pierre if you had a chance to hear Billy you can hear that Billy does not have no hate in his heart I mean man it's just not at all yeah and, and that's what I want bro you just don't know how much of a blessing God allowed us to be able to all three connect like that and you know we go back but I know he you mm-hmm. deposit you deposited something in here man and I want you to know that those 31 days and those 31 years and 22 days that you spent were not in vain that there's so much more that's gonna no. come. That's cause so much more is gonna come from that than what you can even expect.
2: No, no hates, no grudges, no revenge. Uh, it's all love, man. I had to learn to forgive myself first, and to forgive others, man. Love conquers everything. Love is beautiful. Love is the most powerful weapon we have on earth, and that's that's what I had to to take all that time and to really hold on to so yeah in closing man love man love your brother as you love yourself and if you don't love yourself love yourself first so you can love your brother as you love yourself that is the key (laughs) amen
3: Amen. man all right man hey man i appreciate everything everything you've been saying hey man um tell erlon i said what's up
2: yeah I,
3: wanna- <laughs> I, I know every when? single episode from him and man I, like I, I was I was uh celebrating too when I found out when he was released I couldn't believe it and um yeah I, I he's got a lot going for him and i I just I want to help uh spread that inspiration too man and one day I'm gonna shake your hand I'm gonna shake his hand and you know we're gonna we're gonna keep doing this major too Major's hey, gonna be hey. right
2: here. Hey, hey! Real quick, I know y'all probably have to go, but real quick, I want to I want to tell the story about airline. Right? So, my friend, who, who uh, uh, Don Jewel uh, Fraser, is trying to start this podcast with me, Be co-host of uh, a development podcast, and so she, she had a ticket to go see airline in uh, Nigel uh, right down the street from me. And so I said, you're going won't, you to won't leave me to go see there? And I said, <laughs> and said So she showed, she showed me her ticket. And on the ticket, it says that they gave away tickets to organization, you know. So I called the ticket station and said, hey, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an organization of one that can't afford no tickets. Do you have one for me? And they said, we don't do that. You got to call this other number. So I called the other number, and, uh, and a woman named Juliette uh, uh, Juliet, uh, Answers. And, I, and she began to tell me to call the other number. I said, no, I just called them. They told me to call you. And so she said, she said well, hold on. I'm going to go call them. I said, when you call them, here's my number. Call me back and let me know what's up. So she called me back. I didn't think, I didn't think she was. Right? She called me back, and she said, I'm sorry. There is no tickets. It's all sold out. I said, hold on. I said, my name is William Palmer. I did 31 years and 22 days. And when I was on my bunk, I saw Eli. Woods and Nigel up there on air Hustle, and I knew right then how I was going to serve my purpose in life and tell my story. I said, it would mean a lot to me if you ever get a ticket. If anything comes to bear for the day, let me know. She said, hold on. She walked away. She came back and said, your name is on the roll call list. This yeah. 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 Woo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, guess and guess
0: what? I was
2: in the second row. T seven, right up there, man. What? And my friend who was bragging, not not Dom, but another friend of mine, uh, Terrence, uh, 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 uh Terrence, he was like, yeah, I got me a ticket. I, I'm personal friends with a lot. He was up in the balcony. Down <laughs> in the town of the <laughs> I don't like, yeah This is too much. <laughs> this is too much. I love it, man. San Francisco's been good to your brother, man. I love y'all, man.
0: Wow, we are so happy to capture this moment in time for Billy, Major, and Pierre. It's amazing to hear them go back in time and share their stories from their time of innocence. We have a lot of shout outs and thank yous to give. Like we have stated before, we admire those who inspire, so we want to thank Jeannie Williams first. You spent many hours making a difference in the community children's lives. Here at CDP, it is important to remember those and applaud, for your commitment to our future leaders. Also, we want to commend Wes and Darlene from BWT Podcast for showing what true family is about. Huge shout out to Erloin Woods and Nigel Poor from Ear Hustle Podcast. We are huge fans and we love your content. Thank you, Pierre Carter for calling in. We are grateful to hear from you. Also, we want to send out our prayers to Edwin Debro and Alejandro Reyes. Last but not least, we want to thank Billy Palmer. You are a huge inspiration and an amazing big brother. For future episodes, we hope to get in touch with everyone mentioned during this episode and bring their stories forward. Here at Character Development, we ask the question, who can relate? Do you have an inspiring story to share, or is there someone else who does? If so, please be encouraged to contact us through our website, characterdevelopmentpodcasting.com, and or post a comment. You are welcome to email us at ultora at outlook.com. O-L-T-O-R-A at Outlook.com. Our mission is to spread inspiration, and we are making the strides to better this world by sharing your personal stories. If you would like to help us out with our goal, then please look us up. CDP can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Character Development Podcasting. Hashtag CDP Who Can Relate. Character Development Podcasting Who Can Relate is produced by Old Horror Productions. This production is brought to you by my wonderful family, and I am your host, Kayla. Again, don't forget to tune in for future episodes, and thank you so much for listening in.